Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about wooden boys, magic wardrobes, and a scene that's guaranteed to make you cry every time. It happened to me again, and I'm assuming it happened to you, Abby. It did, it did. (laughs) Well, I am Beth Elderkin, and I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? Well, Beth, I I burned through a show on Netflix today that I will lead up front and tell you that it does have the actor who plays August in it. And it freaked me out for a second because I was like, whoa, like he's only in it for like a single episode, but I haven't seen him in other things. So it took me a second because he also has a little bit longer hair in this. Uh, but the show that I burned all the way through, mostly for a completion feeling, is Emily in Paris. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what I <laughs> thought it was. Um, but the only reason I stuck around was just to see how it concluded and also the very attractive gentleman in it, although they all looked about the same. Like, I feel like the woman, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm going to guess, I don't even know who cast this. If it was a woman or a, a, a gentleman who, who prefers men had a type, he cast the same person like six <laughs> times. I'm not mad about it. But it was hard to keep them straight. Like I was like, which one am I looking at right now? You're I mean, all very it, pretty, but who are they? Was it a type that gelled with your type? Uh, especially the main one that she fawns over the most and has the most kind of back and forth with. Um, the and this was a weird moment where it's just like I'm just sort of hate watching the show, like being like this show is so ridiculous and all. But the first time, spoiler alert, the first time that they kiss, I was like, ooh, ooh okay, ooh, I'm feeling ooh. like it was one of those things where I was like. <laughs> Okay. Uh yeah, so it it's definitely a, a lighthearted trash garbage show. That's my opinion on it. Uh cuz I can't and I haven't read any of the articles or any reviews about it, but I cannot imagine that anyone in France or anyone that is French cares for this at all. They do not, nor do people from Chicago. Oh boy. Yeah, you know, I didn't think about that. I was just thinking about like, man, the French must hate this, but uh yeah, uh this seems Seems like people from Chicago would also hate this. Yes. Anyway, but you know what? Yeah. Tr- you know what? Trash is, <laughs> trash is good right now. Happy trash is good because, as I'm sure y'all know, it's been a bit of a week. A I, lot of stuff has happened. And by the time this podcast <laughs> comes out, more stuff will have happened. Uh, 
All I'm going to say to it is I hope you are staying safe. I hope you're wearing your masks. I hope you're socially distancing because it can happen to anyone, even the people who you would think would have the opportunity to be the most safe. And they weren't, but largely because of their own mistakes. Yes. Um, just take care of yourself, everybody. We, we love you all. We want you to all take care of yourselves. Um, and you know what? Uh, something I learned from the weekend, and this isn't something like a personal tragedy or anything that's happened to me, but just call people and tell them you love them. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was a tough weekend this weekend for a lot of people for a lot of myriad of reasons. Uh, just even your friends. I think the, the post I saw going around was normalized telling your friends that you love them to the point where it's weird. <laughs> you know, Abby, I so, love you. Uh, just... That's where I'm at. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to keep keep on the up because boy, you can only Twitter doom scroll for so long before you just want to <laughs> yeet that thing all the way out. <laughs> Abby, I just told you I love you, and you totally ignored it. I feel very. I wounded. didn't. I I was worried that that was what happened, but Skype cut out, and I was like, she just said oh, something. No. What did she say? Beth, I love you too. I'm not saying that because you. Like, it was a guilty thing. I honestly <laughs> didn't hear it. Because Skype is trying to drive a wedge between us. <laughs> just Skype and COVID and everything. It's just, it's I all... swear, it's all, everything's <sighs> against us. Everything's against us. Standing in yeah. our way. <laughs> well, you know what? We're here to talk about something good and, it's, and you know, also sad, but a different kind of sad than, than you know, the other 2020 sad that is all the sad this is season one, episode 20 of Once Upon a Time, The Stranger. This Which, is... Mm, Good. I'm sorry. I would just like to tell you, I just want to get this out of the way. Every time I hear The Stranger, I I say it the way Zach Braff says it in Scrubs, um, which is alluding to... Um, a, a man self-pleasuring by sitting on his own hand until it falls asleep. It is the stranger. And it it makes... I know it is an episode giving, of Scrubs. My I face. Watched, no, I know. I don't like this. But every time it was the stranger, I just heard Zach Brev going, the stranger. <laughs> it was hard to take it seriously every time I saw it. I'm sorry. Well, I, I mean, he is, he is slowly turning to wood, so maybe he's losing that <laughs> sensation. And eventually it'll happen. This close, Beth. Had you said it a little bit slower, we would have gotten a genuine spit take. <laughs> uh, I, I tried. I, I, I wanted to see how long I could get through this episode without a wood joke, and the answer was not very far. Nope. Not very far at all. <laughs> well, this is what I would call the penultimate episode because the final two are really a two-parter. They're kind of – they're, they're a combo package. But we will be, you know, we'll be reviewing them one at a time because reviewing two hours worth of episode would take forever and we would all die. So we're not going to do that. But this is kind of the last origin story thing that we're getting before we get the conclusion of this chapter of the story. And it's about August. And before we get to August and his modern mission to make the savior believe Uh, We are actually going to learn about who August is, a fact that was very cleverly exposed by Mr. Gold in a very interesting scene that I thought was fantastic, but we will get to that later because shock of all shocks, guys, because we haven't talked about this a billion times before. He's Pinocchio. We're so good at keeping secrets, Beth. I know. I know. We've promised that we wouldn't talk ahead and lo and behold, we never have. 
we're so, ever. Yeah, we, we apologize. We're trying not to get super ahead of ourselves, but some of I I, I feel like it's only going to go so far. Like we've mm-hmm. we've not bitched about Hades or the underworld too much, <laughs> like a lot enough to be plot wise. But it was definitely one of those. Who could this secret creature be? Well, I mean, like Pinocchio, I too never lie. Whoop. <laughs> well, we go back to. Uh, we start on this torrent seas, which is uh, the new chapter that Henry found in his book. It, so the story that August added was his own, the one that leads them to where they are now. And uh, Geppetto and Pinocchio are uh, on a raft on the turbulent seas. They're being chased by uh, the monster of the giant whale. And uh, Pinocchio still, a, he's a wooden boy right now. He is not a real boy that we have seen later. And they're, you know, at death's door. Geppetto wants Pinocchio to take the one life reserver. That's it's just poor planning. I know, right? I mean, maybe the other one fell off of the raft. You know what? I mean. It's Titanic level planning. There's only enough for 50% of the st- <laughs> the people on this ship. <laughs> and Pinocchio saying, no, 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 I, I don't want it. You can have it because I can float. I'm made of wood. Uh, which is very, you know, he's being brave. And true and selfless, which is kind of what you want from the whole Pinocchio deal. And ultimately, he jumps overboard just as Geppetto looks like he's going to be swallowed whole by the whale. In the story, he is, and he manages to escape later. But I'm guessing this is a different version where he managed to wash ashore and then finds Pinocchio just a log of dead wood. Thunk. With a little bit of an extended nose. Like, did he lie about something while he was in the water? Like, I'm sure I'll survive this. Like, <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I really love it in here. <laughs> um, and he's holding his dead boy. And I, I don't remember the name of this actor who plays Geppetto. Um, let me look it up really quick. Just, I just want to Geppetto actor once upon a time because I love this guy. He's so good. It's Tony Amendola. And this is kind of one of his most known roles is playing Geppetto. And this is kind of the first one we really get to spend some time with him. And he was very good. He he made me feel for this papa and his little wooden boy. I, it, it's, this, this whole episode was pretty tough. And I think it was due to the conflicting nature that was Geppetto's character, mm-hmm. which I will amount up to the role of the actor because the actor when you break down what happens later and everything like that, I've got some, I've got some morality problems with what goes forward here and some thought logic that, that I don't care for. But at the same time, it was completely sold to me by Geppetto from the Mm -hmm. actor where I believed it and my heart bled for them. So it, I like stories like that where I am conflicted, but you know what? I'm buying what's being sold to me right now. Yes. It is a very complex moral question that we're going to get to, but it's kind of one of those things where you have to ask yourself as a parent, if you were in that situation, what choice would you make? And Geppetto doesn't necessarily make the right one, but he makes the right one for his child. But we will get to that. Because right now he, the right, (laughs) he is, the blue fairy shows up. Good God, her boobs are about to fall out of her dress. What? 
listen, and you know what? I just want to make sure we note this. Um, we don't have a problem with boobs being shown. We love no. our evil cleavage. We love boobs. Uh, it's just a weird choice for this specific costume. I want to make sure we get this out front. This is not like some sort of like shaded sexism thing with her. It's just one of those, why is the blue fairy? It seems like it gets worse each episode. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, this seemed like a lot. A lot was happening. Like, every episode, they just kept adding to it. So, Blue Fairy had a lot going on in this episode. But, uh, yeah, she shows up to to just to make the, the sad dead child thing go away. Which yes. is fine. I, I could deal with that no more. <laughs> uh, but, of course, in true uh, Blue Fairy fashion, all her magic likewise comes at a price. Because, you know, Pinocchio is turned into a real boy. He's very happy. His father Geppetto's happy. They hug. They embrace. But she's like, tisk 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 tisk. Uh, you gotta be good all the time, or you gonna be turned into wood again because that's how the magic works. I I don't know why it has to be continued. I mean, I know this is the story, like this is right. the st- this is the fairy tale, but also this blue fairy is shady as hell, and I don't trust her anymore. No, no, because this is also really like, and this is my problem going forward. Like, I I have no like. I'm not upset with what happens later because this is a lot to thrust on a child who is very young. Uh, What goes forward to like the choices he makes. Don't blame him at all. He's not a bad guy. He was a child asked to take care of a baby. Uh, He's not wrong. He is not wrong at at all. Uh, No one should make a child do this and put this kind of uh, mantle on a child. But again, blue fairy being like, and you have to be good forever. It's very elf on the shelf. Santa's always watching. <laughs> Later on, uh, Geppetto is teaching Pinocchio how to work on a clock, a clock that we end up seeing later on in Storybrooke. And just as he's fixing it, it's the perfect time. <laughs> Get it? Ah. Uh, for um, for the Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket to come out of the clock tied up. Because Pinocchio, he's still a little stinker, but he didn't have to lie about it. <laughs> Geppetto, like, Geppetto asks him, did you do this? And Pinocchio doesn't have to answer before the blue fairy comes in. So, you know, he dodged a bullet there. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I think, like, Geppetto's just like, yeah, the blue fairy told you you needed to be good. Like, again, like, this is why I brought up the Santa thing is because this had a very, like, one of the things that's been bothering me about the current, the last couple uh, Christmas seasons um is there's like an ornament that you can put out and it just says santa cam so it makes it seem like santa's always watching you like normalizing a surveillance state and as a person who just detests surveillance i feel like it's problematic to make your child think santa's already a whole thing let Mm -hmm. alone cameras and elf on shelves i have opinions um so this like just feels like (laughs) like a bad parenting choice on geppetto's point it's like again he's like what is he seven seven or eight kids are allowed to be stinkers they're still going to be okay like if every time they make like an, a little off-color choice does not mean this is me talking to myself by the way uh this just because they do something that's kind of a little off level does not mean you're going to listen to a podcast about them becoming a serial killer later like yeah it's it's a weird choice and by the way i'm with you on elf on the shelf it is never set right with me and they also have like a bunch of accessories including one that i think was unofficial but i once saw like an elf on the shelf like ceiling camera and it's not real it's a dummy camera but like yeah there's a lot of weird stuff like that i mean if, if you like elf on the shelf if you like doing the cute creative stuff with it great it is not for me so 
that that I liked. I liked the like you have an elf on the shelf. He's there. He's a Santa emissary. Like that's fine. I got one, and someone was like, "Oh, I have the book to go with it because the book makes it make more sense." And I got the book, and reading the book is what upset me. I'm like, "I'm not reading <laughs> this to my kid. He'll never sleep again. I'll never sleep again. <laughs> I don't like it." And that again, talking about yeeting things into the front yard, that went away. Anyway, this has been Elf on the Shelf Hour with Abby and Bev. <laughs> Now we're going to get back to Once Upon a Time, talking about it for maybe 10 more minutes, because that's, you know, we're, we're really quick on our recaps. We don't get sidetracked at all. No! So the Blue Fairy has shown up with grave, grave news. The curse is coming. There is nothing they can do to stop it, but there is a way they can save everyone eventually. They are going to go get a magic tree. And with the, and if Geppetto is, if he agrees to carve this into a wardrobe, the fairies can use the magic of the tree to send two people to a distant land where they can be protected from the curse and then restore. And so the idea is to send Prince Charming and Snow White while she is still pregnant. Right. So they go and get the tree and they um like they're they're getting ready to to carve it up and geppetto's got a question it's got a little query it's like hold on a second we're go so this curse thing you said it's going to take us to a land without magic pinocchio is a magic wooden boy <laughs> he's normally wood <laughs> what's gonna happen to him and she's just like i don't know whatever so this is the part that can okay me. let's talk about this this is the part that confuses me. So he doesn't know what's going to happen to him when he gets sent there. So his plan is to then send him there through the wardrobe. Like, that's what he bargains for. He bargains. He's like, tell them there's only one spot. Send my son and presumably a pregnant Snow White with him. That's what we want to do. That's the plan. Isn't the logic still it's a land without magic? So even if we send him through the wardrobe, Snow White's just going to, like, show up with, like, a wooden boy next to her? I, you, maybe, but what I would argue is that the wardrobe protects against okay. the curse. So it likewise protects in the travel to the Land Without Magic so that okay. he still keeps his abilities. Um, Because... From what I remember, because we know Emma, it turns out she has some right. powers of her own. And from what I remember, they don't just awaken when the curse is lifted. Or they don't awaken when she reawakens Storybrooke. Um, okay. I believe that okay. they start kind of... she Well, because remember, there's the the Snow Queen lady in season four. Okay. okay. So Emma, like, Emma has abilities that show at an earlier age so i think that it protects them not only from the curse but also from the fact that they would lose their magic i think it protects okay. it protects the magic oh, okay that makes sense I, that was warping my brain i'm like where is the logic <laughs> in this like we're just gonna send them there faster um, i mean I, yes, I could be but, totally bullshitting it like that's just my but, that's just me trying to make something out of it listen as we've learned from later seasons and once upon a time sometimes bullshitting it is just how we get there um yeah but that's his plan his plan is that's what he wants to do he says i will only build this thing if you let my son go uh through the wardrobe mm -hmm. with the pregnant lady that's the only way he like he's holding the whole realm hostage and the savior the the salvation 
this is a ballsy move. And I was with him until things changed. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he made the same plan. Uh, but it was, yeah, he's just, he's holding the entire realm, for lack of a better term, by the balls. And saying, I'll, I mean, I could help your savior. As long as you help my son. Which, you know what? Very gangster, very mafia of him. I'm in for it. Fine. That's fine. This is a very, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a gutsy move. It's a controversial move, and it's one where you don't have to uh, think he's right, and you don't have to agree with him to understand his point of view. Which is right. one of the things that early Once Upon a Time did so well, like with Regina, her her vendetta against Snow White for what happened. You you don't necessarily agree with her because Snow White was a child. But you understand why she did she did what she did, and you understand yes. why she held those feelings. And it's the same with Geppetto, and like you know, and and Abby. I mean, as as a mother, I'm you know I'm baking one, so I don't have the same point of view just yet. But you've got <laughs> you got a baby dragon. If you were in the same position oh. that Geppetto's in, what would you do? Listen, as somebody who who. I've made a person, yes, but I also make other things. I make things like I crochet things. I sew things. Um, Knowing the value of your work um, is very important and charging for that work. (laughs) All magic comes at a price. Well, guess what? So does hard-earned labor. Uh, You want me to save the savior? Fine. I want want in. I want my son to go forward. It's not he's not saving himself. He's saving his son. That's very valiant. If if Blue can make choices and Rumpel can make choices that come at a price, so can Geppetto. Again, right up until the the circumstances change, I am with him. I'm 100% with him. I get it. Um, Yeah, so I'm fine with this. I'm fine with this choice that he makes in the forest. And I love love Jiminy and this whole thing being like, (laughs) dude, you can't do this. He's like, I can do whatever I want. I, I'm the only person to carve this. What are you going to do? You're going to outsource my labor? You are not. I win. Woohoo! Also, you killed my parents. Yeah, you killed my parents. Uh, Yeah, Just going to throw that back in your face. So I, 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 I am, I am with him. And then we'll talk about when we move forward as to why I start questioning his logic. Yeah. Yeah. Because we flash forward and we get this, we get a replay of the scene and, and, and Abby, now I know what you were talking about with the fairy voice. I don't think it's happened after the pilot because I've heard it be a little bit thinner and have a little bit of an echo in later episodes, but this one was on a different level. They they, yeah. they amped the uh, the reverb up to like 14 for this yeah. episode. And, you know, she she shares the information. It's the exact same scene. They do add a moment of, uh, of the fairy giving some side eye to Geppetto. And Geppetto just kind of like looking away. It's like, oh. <laughs> it's she, just she, like, she, it'll, only fit, me. it'll only fit one side eye to Geppetto. And Geppetto's just like patting his son on the head like, I feel zero shame about the choices I have made. <laughs> <laughs> and so everything's good. You know, Snow White, she's going to, she's going to be pregnant. She's going to go through the wardrobe. Uh, I will say the one real, like the one shitty thing about all this that we haven't really quite acknowledged is Geppetto, by trying to save his son, is separating Prince Charming from his child. Yes. So, and again, so then what happens then is Snow goes into labor which mm-hmm. makes situation change, and it's like we we can't separate, and they never say it. It is never outrightly spoken. We cannot separate a baby, a a, a newborn infant, from their mother, from its mother. We can't. 
Um, because, and I don't know how the fairy tale world works. It just seems like a place that doesn't have formula. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the, I guess the idea, I in my head, I was just like, they. I don't know if they have other options to feed their child. I mean, obviously, like cow's milk, but I don't know. Anyway, this is where I separated myself from Geppetto's choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because because the, the fairy comes to Geppetto and goes, dude, Snow just had the baby. The curse is coming. We got to send the mom and baby because baby's going to die without her her mother. And Geppetto's like, no, I'm doing it anyway. And just throws Pinocchio in the wardrobe and slams the door shut so that not, like this, uh, no takesies, backsies. Yeah, no backsies. Yeah, this is because the logic here. And, and again, I understand. And again, I'm not going to completely fault Geppetto, but it's still one of those. He is blinded by trying to protect his child. That's fine. I get it. Uh, it's throwing yourself in front of the danger for your child or something like that. That's fine. But the logic of the choice that's being made here is we need to send this again. This child is moments old, minutes, seconds old. We're going to send them into a world without magic alone. We would like to send her with her mother and give them a chance to thrive together and to have guidance because like snow and, or not snow, um, blue and Jiminy are just like, she'll need someone to guide her. She needs someone to keep her alive. <laughs> she needs she an adult. An infant. She is an infant baby. But then it's like, no, we don't need an infant. We don't need a mother. This child doesn't need a mother. The savior doesn't need a mother. What she needs is this seven-year-old child who has no idea the situation he's about to walk into that has no skills other than fixing clocks um, and also has a penchant for, I don't know, not doing the right thing because he's seven. <laughs> uh, so this is the part where I separated from that, where I think, you know, like, I get that Geppetto is trying to save his son. But at the same time, he's also making the choice for another parent to a, a child to not be only be separated from one parent, but from the other parent. You're not even giving that kid a second to, to believe or to, to have a relationship with her with her parents. You've stripped this Geppetto's fault that Emma is an orphan. Like, we could have just had a puppet Pinocchio for 28 years, and then Geppetto wakes up and gets his son back. But that's not a risk he was willing to take. And again, mm -hmm. no one wins here. No one wins here. And the other consequence of this that Geppetto doesn't even really think about is Pinocchio isn't going, like, Pinocchio isn't going to be in the same place as her mother to train her to save them from the curse. Like, if she had been with her mother... Her mother, Snow White, would have raised her to understand what happened. This is, you know, this is the curse. These are who the people really are. These are your the stories of your family and your her, their friends and everything. And then she would be equipped at the right age to save them all. Of course, the downside would be Snow would age alongside her and would be way older than everybody else. Listen, but I kind of feel listen. like she would be willing to pay that price. You know what? David wouldn't have even cared. Like, we saw him with Regina in this episode, not saying that the age difference is the same uh, in this, but, like, David would be 100% down with an older woman. Like, it's just like, here comes Charming. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm Snow, but I'm also 28, like, almost 30 years older. And he'd be like, I'm still here for it. You look amazing. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, like it's in it, and it's such, and this is the part, this is, this is the part where I, I say my, as a mother, I would never want to put this on a child. Like yeah. even before he throws him into the wardrobe, he's like, be good. Do in 28 years, she needs to come back. You need to do all this and just shoves him into the wardrobe. Like that's a lot. Like mm-hmm. I know my kid's only four, but I don't, I give him like three things in a row and I, if he does two, I'm happy. Like, it's just like, take off your shoes, go wash your hands, make sure your coat is hung up. I'll hang up his coat as long as he does the first two things. <laughs> like, you, you can only trust him to do so far because, again, he's not finished growing up. He's not finished learning to be, he's a real boy, yes, but real boys, they're stinkers. And <laughs> when promised a different life that is not being adult, adult people just like like spook at the idea of you have to take care of a baby let alone an eight-year-old be like hey do you want to not go have fun and be a cool kid like be have fun and like i'm sorry i'm gonna start sounding like i'm like in the 50s you know get a soda play with yo-yos and jacks um like do you want (laughs) to not do those things and do you want to just be saddled with taking care of a baby for the rest of your life no no seven-year-old in their right mind because he's not even attached to this child he doesn't care. This is not even his sibling. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. He has no concept for what this means. Again, aug- hashtag August isn't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he was a child. I mean, so he ends up going through the wardrobe and he's in this strange land. He gets scared because he sees an airplane flying overhead and then boom, shaboom. Emma arrives with the big rainbow of uh, that we know. We know what that means, you guys. And Emma, baby, she's there. He's holding the child. He's like, what the hell do I do now? And the answer is go and 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 lie about, he's already a lion because he has to, to protect her, lying about where he found her. And they end up in a foster home. And he's playing with the babies, trying to keep her happy. It's really, it's cute. He's sweet. He's trying. Uh, and then he goes to fix the crib because, you know, it's the one thing he's good at. And the foster parent is, you know, a nightmare, which is, you know, pretty typical in these kind of stories. I don't, I don't know what the foster system is like. I've heard it's not great. Um, so, so uh, he gets mistreated by this foster parent, and then one of the other foster kids comes in and just goes, "Hey, well, by the way." Just, I know this was supposed to be like in the eighties or something, but that kid had the most early two thousands emo haircut. Yes. yes, he did. That kid listened to Fall Out Boy constantly. Oh, like so that, much. That is that hair, like just short of just like really ham fisted eyeliner and like a misfits t shirt. Like that love it so much. Uh yeah. Hold up a roll of money. Beth, I don't know when you squirrel away money, but do you put it in a roll? I don't put it in a roll. I mean, you know, it's a good thing he did because otherwise the kid wouldn't have found it. Uh, I, so mean, have, <laughs> I guess. I mean, I'm more of an envelope kind of money person. So, like, mm. I, I, a giant envelope full of money is the same kind of thing. But that definitely had a a, a vibe of I've stolen this. Like, mm-hmm. like I found it in a sock drawer next to some jewels and, and, and like, a gun. Like... <laughs> So, um, so the kid's like, yeah, I found some money. It's enough to get all of us bus tickets out of here, which like, I mean, what are you going to do after that? But that's not our concern, I guess. 
Kids and, don't think that far ahead. No, they don't. And he's like, hey, you want to come, kid? I literally just met and started talking to you for the first time. And he goes, well, yeah, can I bring this baby? And the kid's like, well, of course you can't bring this baby. We can't take care of a baby. We could barely take care of ourselves. I love that this kid had more sense than Geppetto did. <laughs> what are you, nuts? I don't have the skills for this. I love that they don't send Geppetto with anything. Or D- Geppetto. I don't love that they don't send Pinocchio with anything. No food, no like power bars in his pockets, like no candies, no anything. Just like, well, here you go. Here's your hat. Hope you make it. Like just all around illly thought out. But yeah, again, Pinocchio slash August decides, yeah, I'm going to go with this kid because that sounds so much better than staying in this place where someone's being mean to me and being saddled with the responsibility of watching a child because this story would have ended tragically no matter what because they would have separated that baby from that child. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Because he is an older child, the, and and I don't know a lot about the foster system, but I do know that it is very, like, it, it tends to be a little bit, um, I don't know the word for it, uh, but just, like, older kids, the older they get, it, the harder it is for them to go out. Uh, but babies everyone wants a new baby it's like adopting a dog everyone wants a puppy they don't want a dog that they don't know what to deal with i I don't mean to associate children and dogs that sounded terrible i apologize um (laughs) but that's the thing that's where that would have led no matter what would have happened those two would have been separated and then august would have turned into a kid that runs away a lot trying to find the kid it would have ruined him no matter what I'm defending August to my grave. Like, it's just like, I, he's I, fine. I know that they wanted to go with the Pinocchio theme, that he makes the bat wrong choices and things like that. But I kind of like what you're suggesting. I think that would have been more interesting if they had been separated. And once they'd been separated, he just kind of forgot about her a little bit and just got more absorbed in the life that he was leading. And then he starts yeah. backsliding, making bad choices. Because... It did seem very quick. It seemed like they had just gotten there like a day ago and Pinocchio's already leaving the spot baby, which he's a child. Okay, I get it. But like, I I feel like they could have handled this this choice part a little differently. Yeah, this this could have been a lot longer. I also, I mean, again, I I know they were trying to paint the foster system in a, in a, in a, a bad light of by having the guy being like, don't touch these tools. But to be fair... That's a reasonable thing to tell a child. Just like, mm-hmm. hey, don't drag my toolbox all the way over here. I'm willing to help. Like that guy just, I don't know, maybe that guy was having a bad day. I don't want to defend him completely, but it's just one of those, uh, through the eyes of a child, it's like the scene from um, uh, A Christmas Story when he goes and visits Santa. You're supposed to see Santa as the way a kid would see Santa. We're talking about Santa a lot. I'm so excited mm-hmm. for Christmas. Uh, we're like, ho, 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 and kicks him down the snow. like, there's no way that that's what happened. It's seeing it through a kid's eyes. I think that's what this is. And I I agree. I love the idea that it's just like a bunch of kids on a bus being like, we're going to finally get to Salt Lake City. And then they get to Salt Lake City and then they're like, we're out of money. What do we do? And then they just end up back in the foster system because they're just like, they have, they're not going to be homeless. They're too young for anyone to let them wander the street too long. Anyway. Yeah. The, uh, got a little choppy here in the middle. It made sense towards the end, but it was just like, good, good, good little sus and then we got better (laughs) and now we're going to head back to storybrooke uh because we've got to catch up to where august is now and uh he is using some of those uh using some of those woodworking skills to help out mary margaret and uh emma swan keep out a queen just 
just to keep up with the Santa Christmas theme, um, August is definitely trying to do a lot of good deeds on December 23rd, hoping that the presents come. Uh, so he basically fortifies Snow's door and adds a bunch of like locks and stuff and be like, no skeleton key will get in here. And Snow goes, thank you. I have to go to school. See you later. And leaves. Um, I, I do like that, like, you know, Emma's just like, why are you, why is any of this heavy? He's like, I'm here to help you. And th- that's basically that scene. And he basically reiterates, does the, a previously on for everybody being like, but didn't you just five minutes ago threaten to take the mayor's son? I did. And I mean it. And so she means, she wants to, she's going to try to take Henry because she believes that Henry is in an unsafe environment living with a sociopath. She's not wrong. Uh, and she's, she's very committed to this plan. And, and August is concerned because that means she's straying from her, her purpose. Mm-hmm. And he's also like, if, if I like that they added this like ticking time bomb with him and his leg mm-hmm. and his, and his woodenness, because otherwise there'd be no need for like the concern. Like we could just draw this out for a long time. Let her get this. It'll be fine. But with that, it does add that crunch of we can't let her deal with like trying to save Henry. We have to have to get her to break this curse. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she decides to do that. But uh, Henry also is just like, it's an emergency. Co- <laughs> code red. Code red. We have to go. So Emma goes and meets him at the diner. She says, why are we here for an emergency if we're out in the open? And he says, because I'm hungry. Note, they leave without him ever eating. I know. I don't think he ever orders any food. Yeah. She's she's like, but I'm just really hungry. And then he doesn't eat. Upsetting. Uh, But he basically says, hey, it's an emergency. And it does sound very like, hey, my mom says I can't see you anymore. I'm being locked in a dungeon. The emergency he called for was because in his book, he found half a story. And it's half a story of Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know, who in your, in your like, sheriff's place would have had access to it? And she's just like, I don't know. Maybe they only put half a story in there because you know how it ends. So why put the ending in there? I... <laughs> sure. Sure, Emma. That makes sense. That's a logical answer. And she's like, come on. Let's go. I'll walk you to school. So she takes him to school. Cut to uh, uh, Mary Margaret having a very like i'm so glad i'm out of the slammer moment while she's standing in the like the the courtyard with the kids because she's like got her arms crossed and she's just like it's a good day to be free i'm so glad i'm free and regina comes up and she's just like hey where's my son and mary margaret with the (gasps) sass oh she he's with his mother and they never really address that i love that but she was just like both middle fingers in the air. Oh yeah, this scene was wild because Mary Margaret is out of fucks to give with Regina and just flat out tells her, I know what you did last summer and it's okay, I forgive you, but I know. Oh, oh, and you could just tell it just made Regina want to die because she's just like, I don't know why you did what you did because this is snow bubbling to the surface. It's, I don't know why you're doing this. But you know what? It's not worth it. You're just going to have a hole in your heart forever. This is not going to fill it. But you know what? 
I'm better than this. I'm not going to stoop to your level. What I'm going to tell you now is going to destroy you for the rest of your life. I forgive you. I forgive you. Anyway, have to go. I'm a free woman and I have a job. Toodaloo. <laughs> and that oh, impacts your Regina. son's right behind you. <laughs> and that, re- uh, by the way, side note, uh, Tron reference on the lunchbox. Uh, nice. But re- that unrattles Regina enough where she suggests that Henry needs to go to another class. Which, how are there enough classes. fourth graders for two classes? Okay. Okay. So I, A, correct. I don't know how many classes they could possibly have. I mean, later when we have all the, the, the children from the unnamed mystery land. Sure. But now I, it kind of seems like they don't have enough to necessitate an entire school. But all right. Anyway, uh, I like this part because this is how you know that um, Regina has no control over her child. And she nope. never has. I, I think that at no point did she have a grasp on being a mother. Like, she was a good mother. Like, she was caring and everything like that. But she never had any... I feel like Henry was never disciplined. For having the evil queen and his mother, like, other than being grounded and locked in his room, he has a very, like, rich kid rebellion mode going to him. He's like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to listen to you. I do what I want. Because he talks to her in a way that made me scared for him. Like, I was like, if I said any of that stuff to my mother, I never have seen the light of day again. And my mother is not the evil queen from a fairy tale land. Like yeah, like what if what if your baby dragon like was old enough to say that shit to you? Like that's that's not a hey we're gonna transfer you and anything like that. That I think the logic in this is that she's mad because he's saying true things at her. Like imagine if none of this were real. Imagine if this is just a kid screaming at you that you're the evil queen and Snow White and Charming will be together. You're not the boss of me. I'm not transferring classes because I have that kind of control over my life. No. Um, no, if th- this, I can't conceptualize this. I know my mm-hmm. kid kind of back talks a little bit, but he's four. So the back talk is more like, hey, eat your vegetables. No. And it is very aggravating. You do have emotions about it. You do, you know, there's no way she would have been this calm in the face of that kind of talk to him. Like, not saying that she would have been evil or violent or like manic or anything like that, but. Uh, uh, something like that coming at you from a child demands a reaction mm-hmm. like any reaction to let them know that you are the one in control as a parent like this this was this blew this blows my mind like this is like you're not being a parent right now you're just being a a, a grown-ass woman screamed at by a 10 year old like you're just like <laughs> oh well he got me uh so then she she I love her choice for the rest of this episode. I don't know why it amuses me so much, but I laughed the entire time her next plot line came up. Decides she wants to get fucked. Yeah, she's just like, you know what? I'm going to steal Snow White's happiness, so I'm going to pretend that my car breaks down out in front of the vet clinic or whatever animal thing that uh, David works at. And he comes out and he is a good guy because that's what he is in, in despite some of the choices he's made in the last couple episodes. Charming is in there bubbling up somewhere being like, you know what? I'm going to help this person. Hey, your battery's dead. Jump in the back of my truck. I I don't, not, sorry. Now I'm just imagining (laughs) Regina, the mayor in the (laughs) back of his, the bed of his, like, (laughs) hey, Vegas, what's up? Um, 
he agrees to take her home and carry her groceries because she has a whole bunch of rocky road. And she's like, hey, do you want to stay and have lasagna? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't think that's right. It's getting late. The sun is completely up. I have an early day tomorrow. What the hell time does that place start? Like... (laughs) I mean, he's just, I think he's just trying to come up with excuses. I know. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to stay. I mean, I, I wish Regina would have had the line. It's getting a little bit late. It's 4.30. (laughs) Okay. What time are you waking up to? Uh, and so he, he helps her carry the groceries in. Mm -hmm. And there is a, a note from Henry that says mom on the front. And she opens it up. 100% this is blank, by the way. I don't know if you noticed it. I did, and it, I thought that was, like, I thought, did she, like, conjure it with magic? I think she just planted it. Like, I think it was she did that, then she moved the car, and then she came back. So Okay, so so it wasn't a prop mistake. You think that it was, uh, she did it I on think purpose. it was a choice that she made. She wrote mom on it and opened it up and went, oh, Henry's staying with Hopper. Again, a ridiculous excuse. But she plays a damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Just, no, please, go home and get your beauty rest. I will eat my lonely girl lasagna and eat Rocky Road by myself again. <sighs> he starts walking away and he's just like, you know what? I love lasagna. I'll stay. How long is he going to stay? She's making lasagna. Lasagna takes some time. Like yeah. a lot of time. If lasagna is not already in the oven. What are we talking about? He's going to stay for hours. Anyway, he stays. They eat. Charming. Or David, ever the the good guest, starts picking up the plates. She's like, oh, you drove me home and you're doing my dishes. You look at you. Ooh. You're but a keeper. Ooh. Mm. And so he goes to the kitchen. And then we open up into the story where she's like, I'm just so glad I, you know, found you on the side of the road. He goes, you know, no one's ever told me that story. So then she tells it to him, and I, 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 very basic person here, I love friends. There's a whole episode where Joey tells them the story about how you get laid. You tell them about how one time you went backpacking. And, I uh, love that episode. This was that version of that story for her, where she's just like, I found you on the side of the road. I, If it weren't for the fact that I needed to go back for my phone, you would be dead right now. But I think fate brought us together. And he's just like, I love fate. Fate's amazing. And then she goes in for a kiss. And he... No thanks. Uh, No thanks. Like, just doesn't even kinda... I feel... I don't know. He feel like full on recoiled. I know. I just... Which is fair. Yeah. It's his right to do so. It's his right to do that. I just... For whatever reason, like, Charming or David being in such a troubled spot, I would have thought he would have gone forward at least 5%. Just been like, oh, totally. Wait a minute. What am I doing? No, no, no. This is wrong. Just enough to, like, bounce back out of it. But no, he full on, like, the Charming shields came up and he was just like, whoa, no, I'm not supposed to be kissing you. Which is very telling. Like, he's just, like, he won't. He kisses another woman that's definitely not his wife, but won't kiss this lady when he's completely free. And he's like, you know what? We're good friends. I don't know why he thinks this. We're good friends, and I would like to keep it that way. And she's like, no, totally. That's absolutely fine. He's like, I'm going to go put on my leather jacket and make myself look even juicier. Sorry, I won't kiss you. Bye, bitch, and leaves. I mean, I don't know if it's a charming thing or just the fact that he is not attracted to her. You know, he's he's attracted yeah. to, he's attracted to Mary Margaret, and he wants to be with her, but he's not attracted to Regina, and that's fine. 
she put the moves on him and he said no. And that's fair. And that's fair. But I think that there's also the problem with like, he wasn't attracted to Catherine really. Like he liked her well enough, but I don't Mm -hmm. think he, and I think in the fairy tale world, there's like a, there's a connection, um, a difference with like connections where it's just like, I feel like that there's like a glow in my heart and a rainbow pulse and blah, blah, blah. And he feels that with snow, but he definitely didn't feel that with Regina. So he was definitely like, Whoa. But again, I think if the evil queen would try to make moves on on charming, he would have backed up even faster. Um, so he leaves and then Regina stares at a, a very wobbly looking funhouse mirror because it's a prop mirror. Uh, <laughs> and then she throws her wine glass against it. Cause she mad. She's so mad. Best she mad. Well, yeah, she she, can't she's, even, yeah. she's trying so hard. Like she, she failed to stop Mary Margaret and she's feeling like no one wants her. And so she tried to kill two birds with one stone and failed at both. See, and this is a, a classic Regina problem. When she has a lot of time to think about something, she does amazing. She just, it's amazing. It's art in action. But when she just decides off the cuff plans, it never works. Nope. But she, and again, she's hurt. She's hurt mm-hmm. because her son, her son clapped back at her and she couldn't deal with it. Because she has nothing. Like, she doesn't know. She knows how to be an evil queen. She doesn't know how to be, like a stern parent which is fair like like my, how do you walk the line my only question out of this scene is where was henry this whole time he was with hopper having dinner i forget what the excuse was like no was, like what was he actually doing i don't know maybe that's actually what he was doing but she just lied i don't know maybe he was maybe he, he was just with emma come home. i don't know i like, like the idea that he's just like a vagrant who wanders the street like he's just he's at granny's kid. He's just a granny, just, just, just knocking back. She gave him 20 bucks and was like, just, just have a a hamburger and some milk and some hot chocolate. You disappear for a little while. I'll see you later. Mommy's got to get some strange. This is, this is definitely her regretting her choice of getting rid of Graham. She's just like, Mm -hmm. I swear to God, I have like the longer she goes without getting laid, the just the matter she gets. (laughs) She's like, (laughs) I killed the hottest guy in town. What have I done? Well, Uh, let's chat about the other hot guy. Who's uh, yes. meeting up with Mr. Gold because he's got a plan to accelerate. Sorry, Mr. Gold's like not the hot that. one. No. I was going to say, Beth? No. What happened? No. The hot one is meeting with Mr. Gold. Mr. Gold is not the hot one. There are a lot of people oh, who think Geppetto's so. the hot one. That's the right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got me. I got so, it for those older so men. August... August, so first of all, August is in his room and he's looking at his little Pinocchio hat. So surprise, it's Pinocchio. And he calls up what we find out is gold. And he's just like, it's not moving fast enough. I'll come meet you. And he like goes out the door. But before he goes out the door, he has a sharp shooting pain up his leg and he lifts his leg. So if the tiny Pinocchio hat didn't tip you off, the wooden leg would. So he is now everything I assume under his knee, because he bends both knees throughout the episode, is now just wood. So he's mm-hmm. turning into a wooden puppet again. And he he hobbles himself to gold. He walks in and there is a man fixing a clock. Turns out it's Geppetto. I forget what his storybook name is. And <laughs> I like the gold. Would you be able to help him with the clock? Oh, I'm guessing from your silence, no. Because it's this moment of the first time that like he's been this close to him. Uh, August has been this close to his, his father. Mm-hmm. And Geppetto has no idea who he is. 
he just looks right like almost right through him and he's just like yeah. anyway i'll take this clock i don't really have a lot of time it's gonna take me some while and scroll this it's fine and he walks out and he just looks at august how you doing and he le- like just such a like uh, such a dude thing sup <laughs> how you doing sup, crazy weather out there sup, See you later. boy yeah sup man and he leaves and gold gold doesn't beat around the bush at all and he's just like huh interesting that you'd react that way around your long lost father huh weird anyway well, oh I mean, yeah gold's gold's trying to get revenge he's still pissed at august for what happened and i don't to, really blame him i don't either i don't either like you made me think my son was here and alive i would never forgive him for that either and he goes oh yeah no no i know who you are and he goes you know they have a conversation he's just like listen we need to make the savior believe she's gonna come to you for legal advice for some reason about henry you need to turn her away i will make her believe and mr gold says my favorite thing he's just like well i would trust you but knowing everything about your character i kind of don't want (laughs) to it's not like your thing no i don't don't want it and he's like no i'll do it so his plan he gets he basically convinces emma finally to get on the on his on his motorcycle and they wear their silly little helmets um and they go and i'm saying silly helmets because i think that this kind of helmet is ridiculous you should get a real helmet that covers your whole head i'm not saying the helmets <laughs> are silly i'm saying the style of helmet i don't care for i mean you heard it here first guys <laughs> the abby the health abby and abby thinks helmets are for suckers <laughs> abby the health and safety professional helmets are for suckers <laughs> so they go and august stops they leave storybrook they just flat out leave Storybrooke because they're they have that capacity and august takes her to the front of a diner mm-hmm. and emma starts freaking out a little bit because this is where emma was found according to the newspaper clip that emma knows about that august has he says this is where you were found but this isn't actually where you were found i'm the little boy who found you and she looks i mean one a thousand percent amazing actress job because she looks it's a look that's hard to describe Mm -hmm. like it's just like terror realization and also just complete dumbfoundedness because she like of all the things she thought was going to come out of his mouth no way did she think it was this and also and, anger too, because oh, so like, mad, and that comes out more as their conversation continues. But she's pissed because she believes that he is trying to take advantage of her, yep. uh, that he is trying to like, yeah, that he's he's trying to get one up on her and use her past against her, which is something she's very sensitive about. Yeah, and she's just like, no, you read it, you think you congratulations, and he, he's like. When they found you, they found you with a white blanket with Emma in the corner and purple ribbons and you blah, 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 blah. And she's just like freaking out. So he takes her to the middle of the woods again. This is the part where I feel like Emma in reality would have like flipped out. Because when a guy takes you out to the middle of nowhere and says, actually, the secret's in the middle of the woods now that nobody knows we're here. It's how you die, Emma. Don't no one finds out about you, and there's a true crime podcast about you. I mean, you she's later. already been kidnapped by by the Mad Hatter. She can handle anything. You know what? That's fair. That's fair. So he takes her and he goes, "Look, it's this street. This is where you were found. I took you there so that they wouldn't that you wouldn't know you were found in the woods to protect you." Any, he dubs curse is real. 
And he's like, curse is, yeah, curse is real. I'm Pinocchio. I did what I could to protect you. I apologize. I abandoned you. But here's what I know. And here's how I can prove that it was you is that I was at a f- super fun time Island. And at eight 15 at night, eight 15 AM your time, uh, I was reminded with a sharp pain through my leg that something was going on. And now my leg is turning into wood and he lifts up his pant like, look at it. She's just staring at like a grown ass man's like meaty calf. And she's like, <laughs> all right, cool. You do, you do lunges. Proud of you. What am I looking at? <laughs> He's yeah. like, oh my God, your denial is so deep. You can't even see my, I'm sorry. I was about to make a wood joke. I'm um, just go. You go. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're gonna have to say it at, at some point now, but you can hold on to it if you want to for just a minute. Um, yeah, and I actually saw some people in the Facebook group chatting about why uh, August was turning back into wood. Like, why, if he was in a land without magic, if he could, if that could happen to him. And we talked about this before, but I just kind of want to reiterate that. Since he got in the magic wardrobe, he was protected from everything. Um, And also, like, there was a curse that kind of put everything on pause. That put all the progression on pause. So he was able to age... But the but the magic stuff didn't have to catch up with him. It, it's a it's a little convoluted and doesn't make a lot, whole lot of sense. But basically, his bad choices eventually just caught up with him, and that's why he started to turn back into wood. Yeah. So I think the idea was that that Pinocchio was supposed to be by her side the whole time, mm-hmm. so that when the savior shows up, she shows up with a strapping young lad at her at her shoulder to really just like you know, throw hands with whoever needs to. And he would have not slowly started turning back because he would have made the right choices. Mm -hmm. Again, this is a lot to saddle with a person uh, at that young of an age. Because, yeah, like, once you get to a certain point, like, I mean, I don't know if you remember, like, we're probably-ish around the age that August is because he was just a little bit older than 28. He was, like, what, seven or eight years older than Mm -hmm. 28? Oh, God, we're old. Um, But... (laughs) We're about that age. I don't have very firm recollections of being that young. I have glimpses and phrases. I remember, like, things my parents taught me, but I don't have super clear memories. And so I I could, I get it. Like, I get it where it's just like you, you become like a 36-year-old man who is just like, I forgot about all the promises I made. In a world, he is now older than any time that he spent in the, the fairy tale land. That all must just seem insane, like at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And I get that. He goes to this island or he goes wherever. He's gambling. He's having a good time, probably developing a drinking problem. And just one day it all just comes rushing back to him, like some sort of like opened up memory and therapy. And you're just like, shit. And he has to deal with it then. Anyway, yes. And Emma does not believe him Mm-mm. at all, which is fair. And she just, she's like, no, I don't like it. I hate it. Let's leave. So they that must have been a really awkward uh, motorcycle ride back. Especially because she's riding on the back. Could you mm-hmm. imagine being that mad at a person, but then also holding onto them, hoping you don't fall off? Like, I I feel like Emma just, like, aggressively walked home. <laughs> just like, oh, I don't care. No, and I, I'll walk home. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm gonna go with what actually happens at the end and, and go to the, the August thing for the, the closeout. But 
Mm-hmm. Basically, when Emma gets home, she gets in her bug. She calls Henry down. Henry, I don't know, scales the side of the house to get outside. He's like, I don't know. My mom finds out we're here. I'm going to be in super trouble. And she's like, do you want to come live with me? He's like, I do. And he's like, she's like, cool, buckle up. We're leaving town. And kidnaps him. Not not smart, Emma. Bad choice. No, this is, this is a bad choice in the old legal proceedings. Uh, she So the episode ends with her straight up kidnapping him. Mm-hmm. Like he's not, he didn't consent to what's happening. He consented to an idea not to, to leave right now. Like anyway, but that's whatever. We'll deal with that in the next episode and we'll rant and rave about that. What I want to deal with, with, with is the scene that no matter how many times I watch it floors me every single time. So good. Just down, just, oh, terrible. So August goes to Geppetto's garage. Geppetto was working on. This is the clock that Pinocchio had tied up. Uh, oh, no, I forgot it. Jiminy. Mm-hmm. And so this is the clock from their past. And August is standing there like a cool guy to Jack. And he's like, you got to push the spring and then do the thing. He's like, and he does it. And he's like, wow, who taught you this? My father. Oh, your father's a good man. I think so. What did you? Well, we had, and they basically have a whole conversation where it's like, oh, well, we had a falling out. I didn't grow up to be the man that he thought I was. I don't think I can come back to this. Like, this isn't going to work. And then Geppetto, oh, I've got to cry now thinking about it. Geppetto goes, look, and if I had, he's like, did you, did you become that man? Did you figure out where you were supposed to go? And August says, yes, yes, I did. I, I figured it out. Geppetto says, if I had a son, looks off with a thousand yard stare <laughs> for like a moment. And then just goes, that would be good enough for me. Mm-hmm. That's all I would want from my son. Shut, Beth, shut, does something else happen? Tears streaming down my face. Like, everything about, this is probably one of the, one of the best scenes of the series, in my opinion. That, that is not, like, a groundbreaking moment, because it's, it, it's, it's a very small, simple moment. It's August feels he has failed. There's nothing else he can do. He is going, in his mind, he is going to die. So he... He he's not ready to reconcile with his father. He doesn't think he's going to be able to, but he's doing the next best thing. He's like, I'm going to spend time with my dad. But he also has some baggage to get through. And Geppetto, without even realizing it, is giving him closure. And it's so beautiful. And then he's like, he follows it by being like, do you, you want an assistant? I can help things. I just want to fix stuff. Like and I can't pay you, and he's like, I don't care. I'll, I'll get paid in love. I just, I love it so much. Like I, again, you're right. This is such a small scene because Geppetto has no idea what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like just some strange dude showed up, and 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 has clearly got some baggage. But Geppetto doesn't care. He knows how to fix clocks. Come on in, kid. Like I don't care what's happening. Like I'm just alone, sad, borderline an alcoholic from what we've seen in earlier episodes. He only has, like, one friend. Like, anyone wandering in his shop is okay by him. And and this is such a huge moment for August because he's he's getting that moment that he wanted. Like, he has probably been... This is why I alluded to the fact that I think that August has been just, like, drowning his sorrows for 28 years. But just just the farther you get away from something where you're just like, I can't go back. I can't go back. And you just think that there's no way home. That's where August was. He was just lost. He was just like, I failed. 
the savior doesn't believe they'll never get out of this curse and it's my fault all of this is on his shoulders and his father in a long-winded way forgives him and Mm -hmm. just the the kindness of a of a at that time presumed stranger is enough to just bring a little bit of spark back to august and it every single time it floors me because it's such a genuine moment and again Mm -hmm. this is again the actor is so great and I, I got told you, I, I could kind of whatever with the actor who plays August. Like, I, I don't think he's bad or anything. I just didn't bond with him as much as I think a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. I think he did great in this scene. I liked this scene a lot because it had that. This is what he was cast for. He was cast for this scene. Like, I don't yeah. buy him in a lot of other scenes, but this scene, 10 out of 10. Amazing. Yeah, it's. Sobs. Just tears. Constantly. Yeah. And it's, it's. It's not like the true closure of the episode that ends no. on Emma making a very bad decision, but in spirit, it's the closing, the closure of the episode, and it's the closing of a chapter for August that he's had open. Uh, because actually, one thing that I had just realized as as we were talking is how alone August is. He's the apart from Regina. And, and Gold, who have their own issues. August is the only one who remembers what happened. And he has lived without his father his entire life. Has lived in the fear of how he's failed his father in his own mind. And now he's come back to a world that does not remember him and to a father who does not even recognize him. So in addition to everything that you mentioned, which was all spot on, which is he has this huge pressure on his shoulders and he feels like he failed. He also has a lifetime of being alone. Emma doesn't know what's going on. No one knows what's going on. He might not even, he may, as far as we know, he doesn't even know that Regina and Mr. Gold know what's going on. He's, actually, no, he doesn't know Mr. Gold does now. Yeah, Mr. Gold, yeah, yeah, he knows Mr. Gold does. But he's been this alone. Is, and this is, by the way, and this is a little bit of projection here for you. This is a procrastinator's worst nightmare. <laughs> because that's all August did. August procrastinated. He had a time. He had a deadline. 28 years from this moment. And he was old enough to know how many years that is from when he started. And it was, he just kept putting it off and putting it off. And then he thought when no one remembered that deadline came back to bite him in the ass. And then he had, it's the very, the well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions, like this, he is now like knee deep in the fact that he failed as a child. This is, you know, which again, he, he's fine. Like I, I know that this is a lot of guilt that he never obviously worked through. Someone needs to talk to Hopper for a while, but He's now in it. He's he had the savior scream at him, and she's like, "No, this isn't what's really happening." He's she's so in denial she can't see magic right in front of her face, and he has that realization of, "I have failed every single person. Mm-hmm. I was sent with one single purpose, and I have failed it." But then his dad redeems him mm-hmm. without knowing it, and that's enough. Because you know what? Screw the rest of these people. Dad says it's fine. <laughs> And he chooses to spend what he believes are his final moments with his father, even though he can't tell him the truth. 
it's like you said, it's enough. It's enough. And you know what? That's enough. And I'm fine. And it's fine. And I'm having a lot of emotions and it's fine. (laughs) Well, I think that is enough of this episode because I've got the feels now. That was season one, episode 20, The Stranger. And we are about to get into the end game. We are two episodes away from the end of season one, which is wild to think about. Uh, How do we get to the basement of the library? (laughs) We're going to find out, Abby. We're going to find out together. Finally, Anticipation. Well, we want to give a special shout out to all of our wonderful patrons for supporting us, especially our Snow Queen patrons. That would be Lisa Slack, Patrick Stevens, Jacob Fulcalt, Paul, Brian Sanina, Blake Brinkley, and Zach Chobanoff. If you want to support us on Patreon, to patreon.com slash OUA timing, you can join our Facebook group if you're interested. That is facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. Uh, we are also on Twitter at OUA timing. I am at Beth Elderkin. I am at just underscore Abby. And you can also find our podcast at, at, at Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get them. And we will be back next week with season one, episode 21. And what is it called? I'm trying to find out. An apple red as blood. Oh, I oh think no. I, know I think <gasps> I know what happens. Drama. This is the episode. This this episode's going to crush me. Like, yeah. I don't think I've rewatched this episode since it first aired. Um, Like, I've only watched bits and pieces of the first season. uh, Like, scenes and stuff like that. But these last couple of episodes, this is why I have no idea how we get to where we get to. Uh, But it... I re- I remember just even at the time, not not dealing well with what was going on. I was like, ah, it's so much emotion. So I'm so excited to be thick, like just knee deep in emotions that have no ties to the real world. I'm so excited. Yes, let's 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 live in the fantasy uh, for for a couple more weeks, and then we will dig into a whole new fantasy with season two. So thank you everyone for joining us, and Abby, we will see you next week. See you next week, Beth.